want to welcome all those to our uh, Christmas Eve service. Always emphasize quality rather than quantity, but we do join us by way of television and radio and all the other means of communication. So you bless us by the time you take to listen to us, and we trust that we're a blessing to you. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as we look forward to the next few Sundays and enter into a, a bright and a beautiful year. Our opening hymn is O Come, All Ye Faithful, and it's found in your purple hymns, number 234, verses 1, 3, and 6. 1, 3, and 6, and we appreciate as you listen to us on radio and television, many of you sing along, and that's, that's good. You know, God gives us special ears to kind of listen to your voices too. So again, O Come, all ye faithful, purple number 234. And I want to dedicate this in, in honor of, of Jan Murphy, who's with us today, who, who after a number of years um, met at the local drugstore, and we kind of looked at one another, and I think there was a split second that I beat you in recognition. Because I was wearing that, that hat, it kind of resembles my hair, and it was popping out from the top. So this is one of Jan's favorite, and we want to open that, our Christmas Eve service, the opening carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. If you've been seated for a while, you may want to stand. In our next number, you may be seated.
Thank you. You may be seated, and at this time, I'm going to call on Robin Larson. He's going to have the lighting of the Advent candles. I'm going to make a presentation while you're yeah, yeah. getting. Um, I don't think we recognize Mike enough. He listens to his wife, helps tremendously with the finances and the leadership, and he's on vacation today. But um, we want to acknowledge, while you're thinking, you want to come up here and proudly wear this jersey sometime. Leroy, I have a hard enough time keeping track of the Vikings. Let's give Mike a round of applause as he receives a gift from Nice. Amen. How are you coming, Robin? Ready. Ready? And good evening, brothers and sisters. Today is the lighting of the unity candle. Unity can mean a lot of things. When someone says unity, what comes to the mind? Um, what comes to mind? What comes to mind about when people say unity with the Lord? Unity is where you are together even though you cannot be like within spirit, like your togetherness with the Lord. And during this time of year, people talk about like miracles. And I wrote this last year and I thought, given the circumstances of today, it's more than appropriate. And I would like to read this. Miracles. When someone says miracles, what comes to mind? Anybody? Okay, acts of God. Okay. Some people would say like something small like a sports game like winning the Super Bowl or something big like work on time for the first time in four months. We've had many miracles happen. The first one is the one that started them all is the birth of Yeshua, Jesus. His birth is the beginning of many miracles to come. Even today in the 21st century, even though you look around, you may not see anything. Miracles can be anything from just getting up in the morning. That's a miracle right there. You put your faith in God because you may not wake up. Getting in your car, again, that's you're putting your faith in God of getting you to point A to point B. When people say about well, miracles don't happen, they do. Every, your everyday life is a miracle. And the fact is when people look at scripture, the first thing they ask is, how can that be on the Lord's birth? We we look at the first book that talks about the miracle of God and Savior, that is Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord has given him himself, will give you a sign, behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, for a child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Father of Prince, Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach, which is the name of, of Jesus Christ. His birth in these two verses of Isaiah show us that this is one of many miracles that happen. People have asked on the proof. The proof can be found in scripture as well as the physical. Look at Israel. In Israel, there wasn't a nation and the Lord took those dry bones and relived life in Ezekiel of the dry bones and rebirthing 
the nation of Israel. Many other miracles is we have a, we have a miracle right here in our congregation who died four times and lived to tell the tale. He saw it. And the questions people say is, well, how can you be so sure? Well, is that luck? I say no, because those things that happen, like, like a brother whose testimony where he died and saw Gabriel, and two years ago, my bad car accident, had I been one millimeter ahead, there would have been three fatalities on County Road 81. And the fact that all three of us are alive and alive, walking and talking, if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. So we, and other things too is we may come to work late. I mean, it's like it wasn't meant to be because if we came, we could have been hit. And Proverbs 27.1 that comes to mind is don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what will bring, which we as humans, we don't know. We have ideas and getting that raise, that promotion, going to the next concert, sporting event. But when we make plans up, if the Lord doesn't want them to work, he won't let it. Like coming to work late. You, if had you left two seconds ago, you could have been in a car accident. Had I left the, this happened today, had I left Holiday Gas Station 81 in Zachary, had I left two minutes earlier, my car would have been sideswiped in that accident on 93rd and Zachary. And when he does that, it's like that's him saying, no, you're not doing that. Another thing, too, is our human DNA. Everyone's DNA has its own, it's each unique DNA. If you were to take one strand of your DNA, it would take over 700 years to interpret one strand. Isn't that amazing of how the Lord is, of how he took that and created us? I mean, that's a miracle right there. And also, too, is information he gives you is just mind-blowing. If you ask me in my life if miracles are still done today, my answer is absolutely. If hitting rock bottom, had that not happened, I would more than likely not be here talking to you. I'd be six feet underground, and I know that. Next is of all the people at work. When I started, I was, this was seven years ago, I was told out, out of every person that was going to train me, Michael was going to train me. Not knowing that three years later, four years later, I was going to be walking in to that church that he goes to. That to me is a miracle by God itself. Not knowing that, the other is hearing his testimony which if he would be honored after I'm done speaking, if, since it is Christmas time, it is testimony, people need to hear that. Like this whole, like, like everything going on. There's a movie I saw in theaters that puts it perfect. It's called The Chosen Christmas. Imagine being there the night of Christ's birth. And not just that one star, the whole entire sky lighting up the whole sky from pitch black, this lighting up the whole entire sky when he was being born. And the miracle too is where he went on that cross. He didn't have to do that, he did that for us. He did that so we could be here today. And what I'm saying to you guys is, I want you, everyone here, I challenge you, 
and including the audience of uh, YouTube and Facebook and podcast, I challenge each and every one of you. I want you to find the miracles of your life, and I guarantee it, you will not be disappointed. Thank you, everybody, and most importantly of all, Merry Christmas. That's how I say it. <laughs> we have holidays, we have celebrations, but the one that affects absolutely everybody that has, does, or will live on the earth is Christmas, the birth of God's Son here on earth. Many, many of God's miracles only affect maybe a one or a group of people or, or even a nation. But the Christmas miracle was for everybody on earth, has been on earth, or will be on earth. That is one we should all be very thankful for because what it does after we're passed from our life here on earth, we get to spend an eternity with Father God in heaven. I've been to a lot of nice places here on earth, in different countries, all over the world, in fact. But the one place I look forward to the most, for the best reason, is when I die for me once again <laughs> and get to be with my Father God in heaven. And I want to say, just for my quick uh, testimony, I was on a triathlete team for the company I work for in Plymouth. Been 18 years now. I'm not getting older, I'm gaining experience. <laughs> and so I had a brand new mountain bicycle. I was really excited. I was going to compete in a triathlon that day on my new mountain bicycle. So I was pedaling it to work. I didn't make it. I got hit by a van. I flew 62 feet through the air. I weighed 175 pounds. And I don't know how hard I get hit, but to move 175 pounds, 62 feet through the air, the force was absolutely significant. Oh, luck, luck was on my side. The responses were close. <laughs> Did not matter. When they got seen, I was dead. They're like, oh. He's already checked out. They pulled my body to the side of the road and they started the accident reconstruction. All of a sudden, I choked. I coughed. And they're like, what? They looked over at me and realized that their body recovery had just become a rescue call. So they pulled me over to the ambulance. Even get me in the ambulance, they had to do CPR because I was dead. And uh, they did the CPR on me, got me in the ambulance, and they got me to the hospital. My problems were far from over. They had to defibrillate my heart three times the hospital. I died three more times. I had, a, like I say, a broken back, a uh, compound fracture of my left ankle, and a traumatic brain injury. They had to defibrillate my heart three or four times. And uh, they have something called a CPI, cranial pressure index in the hospital. What they do is they measure the pressure in your head if you have a stroke or a brain injury like I had. And, uh, and if you're eight or nine, if your CPI is eight or nine, your critical condition, I was at 19. That's why they defibrillate my heart 
literally the pressure within my head and the swelling inside my head, inside my brain, was killing me. Just so happened, pure coincidence, the world's second-rated neurologist just happened to be in the area. They gave him a call, and they said, hey, this one, we got a good one over here. Please come over and help this, this, this man out and see what you can do with him. So what he did, he got there to the hospital, and they took out this whole part of my skull. I've got a scar to prove it. And that's the only way they can relieve the pressure from your brain and your head is take out that portion of your skull. So they, he did the craniotomy or skull cap on me, kept the skull, piece of skull in the refrigerator, and they, they put it back after my, uh, my numbers have stabilized for the pressure in my heart. And uh, I was in a coma for six weeks. I was in the hospital six and a half months when I was 33. I left the hospital six and a half months later in a wheelchair and 40 pounds later. At 33 years old, I had to learn to walk, relearn to talk, relearn to drive. Absolutely everything I had to relearn because of my brain injury. Now I'm married. I've been working for 10 years at one place. I'm driving without any restriction on my license. And people like, oh Mike, you are so lucky to be alive. I'm like, luck? No, 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 no. Had zero zip, not to do with luck. I'm blessed. In a very big fashion. There was an angel in the ambulance with me on the way to the hospital. The angel looked at me and said, don't worry Mike, everything's gonna be all right. That did my heart very good. But that was the only encouragement from God I was going to get. He's not done with any of us. Until we're in the ground, he affects our lives in every fashion. When I got to the hospital and I died the one time and they had to defibrillate my heart, heaven's absolute one million percent real. I've been there, I've seen it. The Lord himself walked up to me he looked at me. He only said two words, not yet. I came back to earth. I popped awake in the hospital, and I was holding the hand of somebody in the hospital, and I, I came back. I've had 18 years to think about this, and I've come to some very, I don't, I, I guess, I've had some big revelation from God, so to speak. Everything happens for a reason. God doesn't cause the bad things to happen to us or the, the not good things, but they happen to us. How we respond to them is what makes a difference to him. When you lose your keys, do you pray? You should running around house, where's my keys, where's my keys? Oh, right where I put them. That's where mine usually are. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, and I thought about this, you gotta look at the big, big picture. So you are three, five, 10 minutes late, who cares? Your boss might, but other than that. But you know what? You weren't at the intersection, the drunk ran the red light. You weren't at the place of the sidewalk where the person went off the road. 
You don't know what happened, what you missed, what you avoided, what unfortunate circumstance you avoided by not being able to find your keys. Everything works good for the glory of him. It may not seem like it because it may not be good to us and, oh, I really regret this, that. But you know what? Everything happens for a reason. Not ours. Not mine, not yours. His. All the more reason to be thankful. When I run into people, like I said up here, I don't say Merry Christmas, la-di-da, bye-bye, we'll see you later. I say Merry Christmas, Christmas. And you know what? I mean it. What I've learned in my life is that everything happens for a reason. So who should I be thankful for? God and Lord Jesus Christ. Because, yeah, I was a minute or a couple minutes late, and I maybe I forgot to bring something, but you know what? I have to be thankful. Because what didn't happen to me, or what didn't happen to you during that instance, is what you should be th thankful for. And I was, everybody know what the Apostle Paul did before he became a disciple of Christ? He killed and jailed Christians for the Roman government. government. Talk about transformations. God can use that. He used Paul, the person that killed and jailed Christians, to write 11 books in the New Testament. What bad circumstance in your life has had a positive result? Really, you have to look at it. You have to think, oh, well, because this happened, this or this happened or that didn't happen. You should be thankful for everything because God has us in his hand. He's got our back. And no matter how bad we got it down here, look at where we're going. We may get lost or start doing things that we may even regret. Lord knows I've done them. But you know what? Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your focus on heaven. Keep your focus on Christ. And be thankful for everything that happens to your life. Even the bad things or the things that seem like, meh. Because you know what? What you're going to turn it into or what you avoided is worth your glory in God. Thank you very much. And Merry Christmas. I love you. Bye-bye. Amen. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Mike. So let's turn to our carol medley, Angels from the Realms of Glory, and we'll move just quickly right through that without really announcing. You just you can remain seated. You can remain seated and then follow along. Angels from the Realms of Glory, angels we have heard on high, and heart the herald angels sing. Thank you.
Thank you. And then let us continue as we turn to our prayer printed in our bulletin. And let us unite in his prayer, please. O God, who has brought us again to the glad season when we commemorate the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, grant that his spirit may be born anew in our hearts this night, that we may joyfully welcome Jesus to reign over us. Open our ears that we may hear again the angelic chorus of old. Open our lips that we too may sing with uplifted hearts. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards all. Amen. Father, we enter into this Christmas season of 2021 that marks the birth of Jesus Christ. Some 2,021 years ago, Jesus was born. A.D., Anton Dominio, in B.C., before Christ. A.D., Anton Dominio, in the year of our Lord. And as we come 2021, 2021 years after the birth of Christ, we celebrate the experience that you made eternity possible for each and every one of us through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. We thank you for those who are viewing by way of television and those by way of radio and other means of communication, those who aren't able to participate in services because of inability of transportation or being able to walk. We thank you for the testimonies of Robin and Mike, which was made possible through the gifts and the prayers of all of it, United Methodist Church, and the outreach that we provide. The witness and the testimony of the airways brings that light and that faith and that hope. The Advent candle represents joy and hope and peace and love, which we pray would be a part of each of those who listen to, to the voices and the, the music of, of the season and those who support all of it by prayer life and by their financial gifts. And as we enter into a new year, 2022, we just pray that we would develop truly a, a spirit of gratefulness in the past and anticipate spirit of anticipatory gladness. We thank you for new faces this evening. We thank you for Jan Murphy being with us. And we pray, Father, that as we encounter people on the highways and the byways of life, we would invite them to church. We truly love them. We truly appreciate them. We're concerned about their experiences in time and their place in eternity. We want them to be a part of our family, the family of God. And Father, as we, we turn to um, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and those by way of television and radio and other means, there's a story of a birth, birth of Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Holy Trinity. We ask, O Lord, your blessing upon this scripture, Luke 2, verses 1 through 7, and teach us always to pray as you taught your first followers to pray saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Many of you have been sitting for quite a while, and I'd like to encourage you to stand now for the reading of God's word. And those who are viewing by way of television or listening by radio, you want to grab your Bibles also and read with us Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, please. Father, we always want to stand on your holy word, standing in the promises of God. We ask your blessing now on Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, about the birth of Jesus, which is also recorded in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Thank you. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. We have in these um, verses the story of a what? A birth. Um, I think some of the most exciting times in my life, and it's been a period of time when I've been to, called to the, the hospital and the birth of a, a baby, but it's always exciting to um, rejoice with the um, family on the birth of a child. I've um, been present at the birth of our three children, Joy and Hope and Christian, and I've clipped all the umbilical cords. And I won't go any further than that, but we did um, videotape, <laughs> and I'm thinking my wife, she's so humble and gracious to allow that with discretion, Joy's birth. And we've all experienced birth, you know, birth. Probably not being able to recall our own birth, but the birth of others. But here we find in the scripture an extraordinary uh, story of a birth. It was the birth of the incarnate, the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In every birth of a living child, your birth, my birth, is a, is a, is a marvelous, it's a marvelous event in how anybody can be pro-death, pro-choice is beyond me. Birth brings into the world a sense of a marvelous thing. It, it um, brings into being a soul, as the scriptures reminds us. It, it brings into being a soul that will never die, but never, but never since the world began was a birth so marvelous as the, the birth of Christ that we celebrate this evening in itself. In itself, it was a miracle. 
But according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, God in this birth was made manifest. Manifest in the flesh. The blessings it brought into the world were unspeakable. It opened the door to everlasting life to those who would kneel to Christ, who would ask for forgiveness of their sins in Christ in their life by way of the Holy Spirit. Well, in reading these verses, let us first, let us first notice the times when Christ was born. Now, if you're following along in the back of your bulletins, you can kind of fill in missing words, words that you can hang the sermon on. It, it was in the days when Augustus, the first, the first Roman emperor, made a decree that that all, all the world should be taxed. Now that word taxed should get us, gain our attention. The wisdom of God, of God appears in this simple fact that the scepter, the scepter was practically departing from Judah. Judah was losing their sense of holiness and, and prosperity and blessing according to Genesis. The Jews were under the dominion and the taxation of a foreign power, a foreign country. Strangers were, were, were beginning to rule over them. They had no longer a, a real independent government of their own. They, it, the scripture says that the due time had come for the promised Messiah to appear in Augustus, taxes the world. And at once Christ is born. It was time that was peculiar, suitable for the introduction of Christ's gospel. News, and especially good news, needed to be presented. And according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 40, the, the whole civilized earth was at length governed by, by one master. There was nothing to prevent the preacher of a new faith going from city to city and, and country to country and a itinerant message of goodness and gladness. The princes and the priests of the heathen world had been weighed in the balances and they had been found wanting. Of all the known world of Egypt and Assyria, Babylon, Persian, Greece, and Rome had all successfully proved that the world, the world by wisdom knew not God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 21. And notwithstanding their mighty conquerors and, and all their conquerors and all their poets and all their historians and all the architects and, and all the philosophers, the kingdoms of this world, were, they were full of dark idolatry and they didn't realize that they were serving idols or idolatry. Idolatry. And it was indeed, according to Scripture, a due time, a due time for God to interpose from heaven and, and send down an almighty Savior. It was due time for Christ to be born, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And it was interesting that the, the calendar, if you would have been in that period of time, the calendar moved from B.C., before Christ, to A.D., 
and unto dominion in the year of our Lord. And let us never rest our souls on the thought that times are not in God's hands. The psalmist says, always God, never comes early, never comes late, just right on time. And God knows the best season for sending help to God's church and a new light to the world. And let us beware of giving way to over-anxiety because being a firstborn, I'm always a little anxious. I like to get done yesterday what I look at today. Let us beware of giving way to over-anxiety about the course of events around us. And if we knew better that the King of Kings, what time relief should come? It's often said of those who created certain churches, especially Luther and Wesley and Calvin, they often reminded their followers to cease, to try to govern the world was like a frequent saying of Luther to an anxious friend. It was, it was full of a sense of wisdom if we tried to govern the estates of man. And then we learned in the, the Bible study in the last few weeks as we studied the many minor prophets in Micah just this last Wednesday, that God is never late, always on time. And let us notice, secondly, the place, the very place that the Jesus of the Christ was born. It was not at Nazareth of Galilee. 41 years ago, Chris and I were led a group to Israel. I preached in Nazareth and Israel and Bethlehem. And it was not at Nazareth of Galilee where, where Jesus' mother, the Virgin Mary, lived, but the prophet Micah, as we studied this past Wednesday night in our Bible study, the prophet Micah had foretold that the event was to take place where? In Bethlehem, in Micah chapter 5, 2. And so it came to pass, at Bethlehem, Jesus Christ was born. And I think maybe when Jan was appeared a number of years ago, we probably had like a Sunday school, and we had certain class members that would gather and dress up, and the Reinhardts, you may remember, and, and you know, little, little boys and girls dressed up as sheep, angels. And the overruling providence of God appears in this simple fact that God orders all things in heaven and, and earth, and God turns the heart of leaders and rulers and kings wheresoever God will. God overruled the time when Augustus decreed the taxing. God directed the enforcement of the decree in such a way that Mary must needs be at Bethlehem when the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Little did the haughty, the, the haughty Roman emperor and his offer Serenius, Serenius think that there were only instruments in the hand of God, of Israel, and were only carrying out the eternal purposes of the King of Kings. You can cross-reference all of these events, all these rulers, and you... It's not a question of whether Jesus was born, he was certainly born. 
Was it a question of faith if he was the son of God and we as Christians who submitted our life to Christ and found how the Holy Spirit works in our lives when we accept him as our savior and not as just a historical figure. And little did they think that they were helping to lay the foundation of a kingdom before which the empires of this world would all go down one day and the Roman idolatry pass away. The words of Isaiah the prophet upon a little occasion should be remembered. Isaiah chapter 10, 7 reminds us that he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so. Sometimes our, our heart and our head isn't in congruence one with another, but we need to be led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God needs to be congruent with our head and our heart. The very heart of a believer should take comfort in the, the recollection of God's providential government of the world. A true Christian should never be greatly moved or disquieted by the conduct of the rulers of the earth. Many battles here upon earth may be lost, but God's ultimately the victor and the conqueror. He wins the war. God and one should see with the eye of faith the hand that's overruling all that they do to the praise and the glory of God. One should regard every king and every ruler and potentate, and Augustus, a Cyrenius, a Darius, a Cyrus, a Sinaran, as a creature who with all their so-called human responsibilities and powers can do nothing but what God allows and nothing which is not carrying out God's will. And when the rulers of this world set themselves against the Lord, they should take comfort in the words of Solomon that there is a higher one. There is a higher power, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 eight. And let us know lastly this Christmas of 2021, some 2020 years after the birth of our Lord, let us notice lastly the manner in which Jesus Christ was born. Jesus was not born under the roof of his mother's house, but in a strange place. And at an inn, when, when born, Jesus was not laid in a, a very carefully prepared cradle, but Jesus was laid in a manger because there was no room in the end. We see here the grace and the condescension of Christ. Had Jesus come to save humankind with royal majesty, surrounded by the pomp and circumstance of, of the Father's heavenly angels, it would have been an act of undeserved mercy. Had Jesus chosen to dwell in a palace with power and great authority, we should have had reason to wonder. But to become poor, the poorest of the poor, as the very lowest and poorest of humankind, and lowly as the very lowliness, that is a love that passes knowledge and understanding. It is unspeakable and unsearchable. Never let us forget that through this humiliation, Jesus has purchased for us a title, a title of glory. And just as you and I, we purchase property and we purchase our houses and purchase our cars, we, we get a title. 
And once we become members of the family of God, we get that title of eternity, where there's no more death, no more suffering, no more separation. And through Jesus' life and suffering as well as his death, Jesus has obtained eternal redemption for us. And all through Jesus' life, he was, he was poor for our sakes. From the hour of his birth to the hour of his death, and through Jesus' poverty, we are made rich, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And let you and I beware of despising the poor because of their poverty. Their condition is one which the Son of God has sanctified and honored by taking it voluntarily upon himself. God is no respecter of persons. God looks at the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, and not at their incomes. Let us never be ashamed of the cross of poverty if God thinks it fit to lay it upon us. To be godless, to be covetous, to be envious and disgraceful, it is no disgrace to be poor. A mean dwelling place and coarse food and a hard bed are, are not pleasing oftentimes to the flesh and the blood, but they are the portion which the Lord Jesus himself willingly accepted from the day of its entrance into the world. Wealth, I've seen, wealth ruins far more souls than poverty. When the love of money be begins to creep over us, let us think of the manger, the manger at Bethlehem, and of Jesus, who was laid in it. Such thoughts may deliver us from much harm to our souls and our spirits. Father, this evening, as we prepare to enter into a time of silent night and holy night, as we discovered again and again new facets of the, the story of a birth, the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. As we begin to darken the sanctuary and turn our lights on, and as we prepare, O oh Lord, those who by way of television or radio or this year of 2021, as we dedicate and rededicate our lives to Christ, may we see, say this very simple prayer that needs to move from our head to our heart. Would you repeat these words with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your birth. I pray that you would birth yourself within me. Forgive my sins, O Lord. Come into my heart and life. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers come and wait upon you for this evening's tithes and offerings, would you join me in the offertory prayer printed in our bulletins this evening? Holy God, as we gather this evening, all our attention is focused on a baby lying in a makeshift bed, and it will have to do stable. It's not lost on us that you sent your Son, our Savior, into the world among the poorest of the poor and told us this will be a sign to you. And as we present gifts to you, we pray that they might 
reach those in the greatest need, that they might lift those in the deepest despair, and that they might bring peace and compassion to those who find themselves amidst conflict. We pray this in the name of that holy child, Jesus the Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. As the ushers come forward, we'll be listening to uh, Offertory by an organist, a flute, Robin and Claris. What child is this?
As I mentioned to you earlier, you'll just want to open your little gift. Father God, we come in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are the carpenter and the builder of the universe. You, you have wonderfully made every delicate intricacy of this world. Then you placed human beings in the center of it as we stumble our way through our living our lives in union with your will and harmony with creation. As we offer our tithes and our gifts this morning, morning, evening, every day, afternoon, and evening, we want your blessings. The periods of time when we don't even appreciate and understand your presence. Whether it be morning, noon, or afternoon, we thank you for sending your Jesus to show us the way in simple language. As Christmas is being celebrated in various parts of the world, loving you with all our heart and our souls, our minds, and our strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, may our gifts be dedicated toward making both a reality. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. O God of grace, we ask as we hold our lights that you grant the real Christmas experience of turning on the light of Christ within each of us. Instill within us the knowledge that his incoming makes the difference between a darkened inn and a glorified stable. That Christ taken in and then given out makes it a genuine Christmas for us and for others. For God shined in our hearts that the light might be passed on. O Christ, open our eyes and challenge us to light our light shine outside our own little circle and give cheer where it is needed most to the cheerless, the lonely, the destitute. Amen. Silent night.